You are listening to Mystified and Thankful Radio, Adoration Over the Airwaves. I'm your host, Reverend Adam Talent. The year is 2020, and the time is now. This is Episode 9. If you'd like to know more about this ministry, you can go to mystifiedandthankful.com. There you can inquire about donations and how to support this ministry financially. Also, if you want to follow along on my visual sermon journey, you can find me on Instagram, at Mystified and Thankful. If you've been blessed by this podcast, I'd encourage you to leave a review or share an episode with your family or friends. It will help the blessing get into more ears and more hearts. If this is your first time joining me for this program, I want to welcome you by telling you we have a rhythm that we follow for each episode. First, we start with a time of adoration, which is our main assignment together, to release adoration over the airwaves. Then we have a time of poetry, which is followed by the message of the day. Today's message, we're going to read through the letters to the angels over the seven churches in Revelation. There's this pattern in the letters that I believe is going to help us as we pray and participate in the spirit realm in our own cities and regions. There are principalities and powers at work in our world. They seem to get all the attention in social media and on the news. All they are are fallen angels, spirits of chaos and rebellion. They long to keep dark clouds over our cities and amplify anxious voids into people's hearts. But the Lord, he's assigned angels over our cities that are partnering with us to bring kingdom light to the earth. There are more for us than there are against us. We're not alone, my friends. And right now, the angelic realm is alive and moving all around you as you listen to this. But before we get into all that, let's begin our program with a time of adoration. As we enter our adoration time, I want to remind you that adoration simply means to worship. I'm going to play some music on the old church organ. We're going to enter a time of surrender. Surrender is a wonderful aspect of worship. Like an old-fashioned altar call, it doesn't matter where you find yourself right now as you listen to this. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on, It will make a fine altar to the Lord. As I play on the organ, I'm asking the Lord to meet you wherever you're at, and that windows of grace would begin to open. They're opening now over you. Let go of that control, let go of that heavy burden, 
lay it at his feet. There are some things that are just too heavy for children to carry, and if you're going to be a child of God, you can't demand that you carry everything. Let it go. It's time to surrender. spirit is rather simple. All we really do is surrender. At the end of time, when we're given crowns as rewards, we even cast those at his feet. It's called surrender. Whether it's our failures, our anxieties, our process, our success, or our rewards, we have one simple act. We surrender all of it to him. So no matter who you are or where you're at in the world right now, it's time to surrender. Today's poem is called Glossolalia, an abstract painting. I'm going to read it over a prayer in the Spirit, and I pray it blesses you as you experience the glory beyond what you understand. Now, I often think of praying in tongues when I see an abstract painting. And I think of abstract paintings when I pray in tongues. I think they're connected, you see. Maybe for some of you, your prayer life or your artwork could go to a whole new level if you weren't always following your own thoughts or your own intellect. Becoming like a child, we can commune with the Lord on a whole new wavelength through the gift of tongues, through the gift of abstract painting. But it's not for those who want to be intellectually superior in their understanding. It's also not for folks who demand that they understand everything. It's also not for anyone who holds their spiritual gifts as personal affirmation without a submission to love. It's in those cases that the gift becomes a clanging gong and a crashing cymbal. It's only for those who feel safe in their father's arms in mystery, in wonder, in childlikeness. Glossolalia, an abstract painting. We don't see fully. We don't heal ourselves. We are not all-knowing. We've had our minds in shells. We hear the ocean static. We misjudge the depths. We hear the lights buzzing. We've tasted the light's breath. We are not past history. We are reflections at rest. Can you hear me, beloved? The whispering wind, flaming tongues, Babylon's broken. Eternity is electric. The current is constant. Secrets are spoken. Oneness is spreading. Glorious, glory, glorious Lord. 
Hey, if you enjoyed that poem and you would like a hand-typed copy of it and a small abstract painting to go with it, write me on mystifiedandthankful.com. For a small donation, I'll get that out in the mail to you. That donation will go to helping support this ministry. Here we are. It's the point in the program where we have a message of the day. In today's message, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. As always, feel free to just listen and relax as I flow in and out of these scriptures. But at some point, I would encourage you to go on and read these for yourself. See what the Spirit speaks to you as you spend time in the Holy Scriptures. Now I'm going to begin here in a minute by skipping around and reading in Revelation starting in chapter 2 and moving through chapter 3. For context, John, the revelator, has been sent to the island of Patmos, where he's been isolated because of persecution. This book is filled with wild imagery and visions and angelic encounters and trips to heaven. But this section specifically, John is having an encounter with Jesus where he's told to write down some letters and send them to the churches. The interesting thing is that he's being told to write these letters to the angels of these different churches. Now, why couldn't God just tell the angels what he wanted to tell them? Why are the letters being written to the angels to the people through John? I have no idea why this is the case. It's curious, it's mysterious, but it's what happens. And I'm thankful we get to read about what God said to the angels over those churches. And before we get started in the scriptures, I just want to address a couple errors. Errors that circulate around the topic of angels. What I do know about the reality of angels is that there's this interaction or relationship and partnership that humans and angels have together. In unity, we're called to worship God together. We're called to give glory to the Lord alongside of these mysterious beings to accomplish his mission and live in his glory together. It's all about the Lord and it's all about his glory. Now the church and other spiritualists or mystics have become obsessed with angels in the past and in the present. For some reason, folks start to worship them and they become more entranced with these beings than God himself. I want to be very clear. God wants to give you his own Holy Spirit so that you have direct relationship with him, connected to the vine of life, the umbilical cord of life itself, the indwelling of the Spirit, the oneness of God. It was all accomplished through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's a gift beyond partnership. It's a union. Jesus invites us into this through the salvation experience. By us being washed in his blood, it's the new birth. It's glorious, and we become born again. We have God in us. We are in God. We have no reason to worship angels or objects. In fact, all throughout Scripture, we see warnings from angels themselves. They say not to worship the angelic realm. 
We are called to serve one God. We worship one Lord. And these angels are here to do that with us, not to distract us. Now, another error I would want to address is that some folks are just so obsessed and focused on the demonic realm. They give unintentional tribute and glory to these fallen, rebellious, angelic creatures. Angels of darkness, lifeless beings, folks who live in constant defeat believe they are outnumbered by these demonic forces. But that's a lie. Demons are not outnumbering the hosts of heaven. They're not stronger than the blessing of God's love. Scripture tells us that there was an uncountable number of angels in heaven. In fact, Lucifer, who was only an angel, when he fell from heaven in rebellion, he could only take one-third of the angels into rebellion with him. These are just demons. They take the form and nature of every sin and absence of God's presence you can think of. From worry to violence to murder, slander, immorality, idolatry, addiction, these creatures are miserable in of themselves, and all they do is spread misery. You get the point. These fallen angels, while they may be loud and obnoxious, they're outnumbered. Scripture tells us that there are more for us than there are against us. So know that in the invisible realm, you have more fighting for you than you have fighting against you. There are different types of angels, worshiping angels, guardian angels, watchmen, messengers, ministers, warriors, healing ministers, angels of finance and provision. All of God's angels have their cabinets and ranks of service. They are as diverse in their assignments and ranks as you and I are in our assignments and realms of authority. But they're also similar to us that all of their purposes and positions can all be boiled down to their sole purpose being to worship and give glory to God. So as we begin, the angels are surrounding you right now. They're coming close and they're bringing clarity and ministry to you in this current moment, in this current climate. I bless their assignments over you today and may the Lord of hosts reveal to us how we can be in harmony with heaven's agenda and heaven's assignment. So to begin, in Revelation 2, John is writing these letters as he hears what is being spoken. And there are seven churches these angels are serving and helping and watching over. Again, I would encourage you to read these letters. The letters are to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Each church has its own unique letter to its angel. For the most part, each church has a similar pattern. There seems to be this pattern to each of the letters. I think this pattern is going to help us discern God's voice in this turbulent time that we find ourselves in. The pattern to each letter opens with who Jesus is to that city. How he sees and how he knows them. He follows that with a correction and a discipline ending with a promise and a reward unique to each church. I believe this pattern we can find a grid to approach and listen to the Lord in and what he's saying to us in this time. 
Now, I would encourage you to write these down in a journal or on a piece of paper to help you discern God's voice in this time. Who is the Lord saying that he is in this time to you specifically or to your church or your community or your city? What does he know and see? What do you need to repent of or turn from? And what is he telling you to look to as a reward? As you write out those questions and you pursue God's voice, he might speak something unique to you, or he might speak through these scriptures, the letters to the churches. But in opening, who is Jesus to you in this time? To each letter in each church, he announces his identity and unique description of himself to each place. He says it with all dramatic poetic emphasis to Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Or to Thyatira, he says, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are a blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. To Philadelphia, he says, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the keys of David, who when he opens a door, no one can shut it, and when he shuts a door, no one can open it. His identity and his supremacy is what gives context to each letter. This is who I am to you. I hold all things. I shut doors and I open them. Know me in your context. And he transitions at this point in each letter to the fact that he sees us, that he knows us. He sees that region and its struggles and its perseverances. How many of you need to hear this, that the Lord sees you and he knows you? He knows you more than you know yourself. Have you ever had someone come up to you and say, wow, you look tired? And while it's not flattering, when you think of how tired you are, you feel known that they even noticed. You feel seen. He, sees, he says this to each church, I see you and I know you. And some examples of this to Ephesus, he says, I know your deeds, I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you didn't tolerate wickedness and that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you found them to be false. You have persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and you've not grown weary. To Pergamum, he says, I know where you live. It's where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name and you did not renounce your faith in me. How many of you think your city's hard and Pergamum is where Satan has his throne? <laughs> The Lord sees it and he knows it, exactly what you're going through. To Laodicea, he says, I know your deeds that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one because you're lukewarm. In Philadelphia, he says that since you've kept my command and endured patiently, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial, which is going to come on the whole world. He even says that folks that rejected them before are going to come bow at their feet to acknowledge that he loved them. He knows and he sees you in your rejection, in your weakness, in your failure, in your success. The Lord sees and he knows. He sees the good and the bad. There's nothing hidden with him. And because of that, he transitions to a word of correction. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. 
You need it and I need it, my friends. This is hard for some of us who have lived lives of shame where correction meant rejection. Where correction was brought with abuse by parents. God isn't like that. But just because God isn't abusive doesn't mean that he doesn't correct. The Lord with his eyes of fire sees and knows us. He brings conviction and correction to our lives to further the reach of love to expose those moldy, hidden corners of our hearts. His perfect love isn't incapable of disagreeing with us. It's because he is loving that he longs for each of us to not lose our humanity and addiction and chaos and deception. He has a correction for each one of us. Are you willing to hear it? Do you have ears to hear? Or are you more afraid of being wrong than you are hungry for perfect love? I want to bless your ears, my listeners. God is speaking to you. For example, to Ephesus, he says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. You got into the routine of life and the concerns of the world have consumed your heart. Return to me or I'm going to remove your lampstand. To Pergamum, he says, you've tolerated doctrine and beliefs that I hate, ideas that are not my own, that lead people astray in your midst. You've been sexually immoral and not honored your bodies. To Thyatira, he says, you've allowed that woman Jezebel to seduce and teach and draw people astray. She's a false prophet. Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Each one receiving correction and discipline in words of caution. But the Lord doesn't end there. He doesn't correct and nitpick and wait impatiently to slap the hands of his children. He brings correction for the joy of reward and for the joy of love. It's what he longs for our eyes to be on. Even himself, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. What is God telling you in this time that is your reward that's set before you? To some of the churches, he says, I'm going to let you eat from the tree of life. To those of you who emerge victorious, you'll, you'll be able to eat the hidden manna. You'll receive this white stone with a name that only the one who receives it will know. To those who emerge victorious, I'm going to give you the morning star and power over the nations. I'm, I'll confess your name before my angels and before my Father, your name will not be erased. To those who emerge victorious, I'm going to grant for you to sit on my throne. It's these beautiful promises of reward. It's this pattern that I believe will serve us in discerning God's voice in this time. How to discern what our angelic help is being called to in this time. I believe you have angelic help. You have angels assigned to you, to your life, to your family, to your community, your business, your artwork, your ministry, your church, your community. Hear what the Spirit is saying. Take time to write down that pattern and don't give up hope. Keep your eyes on the reward and the treasure. That year is 2020 and the time is now. Maybe you're listening to this and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've stumbled upon this podcast and you feel God's love for you and you're uncertain of what to do next. I want to tell you, my friend, 
don't let this moment pass away. This is called a window of grace, and the angels assigned to you in this time made sure that you would hear this. It's time to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To be baptized in his loving kindness, he died on a cross to pay for all the sins of the world. Everything wrong you ever did gets washed away in the blood, and you get a new life. Do you want to be born again? Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. It's a free gift, but at the same time, it costs you everything. And your life will never be the same. Jesus is declaring, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Anyone who hears my voice and lets me in, I'll come in with him, and I'll dine with him, and he'll dine with me. If you want that, why don't you repeat after me? Jesus... I give my life to you. I surrender all. I accept your death on the cross for my sins, and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Wash me in your blood and make me a new creation. I open the door of my heart to you. Make me one with you so I'll never be without you again. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, please let me know. I'd love to help you find a church in your area and get you a free Bible and a free gift. And listeners, if you've already given your lives to God, pray for those that just prayed that prayer. Bless them in your spirit with me right now and rejoice with the angels over the airwaves over each lost child coming home. For we were all lost at one time, but now we are found. Thanks for listening. I'm Reverend Adam Talent. The year is 2020 and the time is now. Let's keep releasing adoration over the airwaves.